This is Gross Anatomy, where pop culture meets health culture. Let's get to it. Hey. How we doing? We're doing good. Are good. we live, Allie? We're live at Gross Anatomy. <laughs> Even though we're not really live, Casey, I just like to say that. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. it. It's a nice touch. It's a good way to keep yeah. it off. <laughs> we're not really live at all, actually. Not even we're a little. So not live. Maybe one day we could go one live. One day you'll get there. Yeah. That is the goal. Yeah. That is absolutely the goal. Well, I'm Dr. Jason Cohen, and I'm here with Ali Sorella, mm-hmm. who is my amazing co-host. And we are super duper, super duper duper thrilled to have Casey Brummels joining us. And I'll I'll let Ali uh, go from there. But I'm really excited, and thank you, Casey, for being here. Of course, with us today. You you've made you've made my June. You've made my June. Well, let's uh, let's hope it gets a little bit better than 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 just this with me. But uh... he, he's humble. Let me give Casey's intro before we get started. Thank you, Jason. This week we are chatting with Casey Brummels, an executive producer with over twenty years of experience in the TV industry. He has developed and now produces Dr. Pimple Popper, as well as a new medical show coming out soon. He's going to talk to us about his experience, how he got into the medical niche. Great to meet you, Casey. Uh, Great to be here. Appreciate it. And you're not related to Bo Brummels, the clothing store in New York City. No, not not as so far as I can track down. It doesn't appear so. I already asked you that, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah. I want to hear how you guys know each other. Can, Can one of you tell me that? Well, uh, we can tell you a little bit. Uh, yeah, tell me how you two met. We can, we can we can do a little bit. Let's see. So Jason and I met. Um, geez, I would I would guess now about a year year and a half ago. You know, on the success and on the heels of Doctor Pimple Popper, we began looking for other avenues of storytelling within the medical space, mm-hmm. and along with that, looking for new medical professionals and new surgeons that we can speak with. And through who knows a million different uh, roundabout ways, Dr. Cohen and I kind of crossed paths mm-hmm. and um, we are working on a new project together. I thought we grew up together. We didn't grow up <laughs> Yeah, together. No, that's right. We played T-ball together, you know, back in the day in North Carolina. I don't know where you, I don't know where you North Carolina. Up. Yeah, I, I need to hear where you're Carolina? <laughs> no, where I'm you from Michigan. From? I don't know where you, I don't know where you New York. Oh, you are. Okay. And Casey, um, how did you get into entertainment? I um I grew up in Michigan and I went to Michigan State University and studied communications. So mm-hmm. you know the, the kind of catch-all degree in which you don't really know what you want to do yet and you go out and kind of figure it out after the point, right? That's so, what Ali that's what Ali studied, right? Yeah. Allie, you know, yeah. it's the catch-all. So it's the I, catch-all. I did that and within, you know, within that major, there was a couple electives that I could take that were in TV production in that space. So took a few courses there and and really enjoyed it, but didn't really kind of, you know, think a whole lot of it. Really kind of studied and emphasized a minor in marketing at that point. And that's what I did for a couple of years out of college. So I was, you know. I'm going to cut you off. So when you went to college, did you have no clue what you wanted to be when you grew up? You know, no. No, like when no I went in as a freshman, I was, a, I think I was originally in criminal justice. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go in the law and forth. Like, I don't, I don't know. You just, you don't know shit at that age, right? You're just so, just so young and you don't know anything about the world. And especially then when there was no internet, there was no, you know, no, no way to expand it beyond your kind of small bubble. So 
didn't really have much of an idea and, and kind of gravitated a little bit towards marketing. I liked that side of things for some reason. And that ended up being what I did for the first couple, three years out of, out of school was- uh, What kind of marketing? I would go do like product launches. So if Wrigley Gum was launching a new Orbit Gum, I would go head up there, the product launch in Atlanta for them or in the Southeast for them. And then I would go launch a product for Gatorade in you know, Southern California. So I did these kind of jobs all around the country. Um, Working for a company or doing freelance? Freelance stuff. Yeah, kind of freelance product launch. That's impressive that you were able to do that as a pitcher out of college, eh? Yeah, you know, it was it was interesting and it was fun and it was kind of part-time work, you know, not part-time, but short-term work, you know, four months here, five months there. And I always kind of was always thinking, well, I don't know if this is what I really want to do. And eventually decided to make a move. I was living down in San Diego. It was amazing. Lived in Pacific Beach and, and had a riot and, and eventually said, well, I need to kind of, you know, get my big boy pants on and figure out a career. And decided to move up to Los Angeles. And from there, a friend of a friend was a production assistant. You know, you know somebody in the entertainment industry by the time you get up here. And, you know, he hooked me up and I got a job at MTV as a production assistant. And it's, you know, the rest is history, as they say. I've been kind of in entertainment ever since. MTV? Yeah. What's that? I, exactly, right? For, for your younger audience, they may not. Uh, well, they will probably know the challenge. They know. Still do the challenge, right? Yeah, they don't know, know. It's a music television thing. What yeah. year was that that you went to work at MTV? This would have been 2001. So I worked for for starting around 2001 for a few years, you know, and it was, I would say it was the real wild west, you know, MTV really kind of invented reality back then, you know, between real world and then the dating shows and all the kind of the bad stuff that they were allowing us kids back in the day to make. And I just kind of got indoctrinated into the world there. When, when, did, when did real world premiere? It's a good question. Yeah. I remember watching it. You were making it, and I was at home sneakily watching it. My mom had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be 90s. Was it 90s or was it? It, had it wasn't. Been. Yeah. I still remember the first season was with that guy, Puck, right? Wasn't that? Puck. Uh, yeah. Are you guys ready? It says May 21st, 1992. Wow. Early 90s. Jeez, Pete. That was wow. in high school still. It says first broadcast. Yeah, I think that's right. I think... It's coming up on, oh, it's on Netflix now. I was like, Netflix doesn't make sense. Yeah, it says 92. Puck wow. and Pedro. Pedro was the other character. Remember? Oh, right. Who had AIDS? Right, and he wound up eventually dying. Yeah. And that was a big, like, whoa, wow, there's a person. They put a face to it, right? Which yeah. so many of us kind of didn't have back then. Now, when I think of reality TV and when I thought of real world, I thought it was sort of, I don't know. Was everybody watching this? Like, were your parents watching it? Or was it just people in their 20s mostly? Yeah, I think it was. I don't, my parents definitely were not watching it. It was, <laughs> it was the younger, it was the empty. I mean, there, I think there literally is an MTV generation, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely not my parents. We were watching MTV to watch. I remember running home in high school to go turn on MTV and watch music videos. Yeah. And just sit around and kind of watch the same ones over and over again. And then eventually the real world, I guess, came on. And so I think everyone in our generation, although I'm just assuming we're the same age, are we? The, how old are you? Uh, I'm 47. All right. I'm a little older. You're you're a child still. I, okay. I got you beat by six years, but All right. But enough. Uh, same zone. Same yeah, zone. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we just automatically watch the real world, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Sure. It was interesting. It was, it was, it was a it was a real life soap opera for people our age, you know, back yeah. then. Allie, did you ever watch Real World? Yeah, it's so wild that it like went on so long that because I'm thinking 
I wasn't even born when the first season came out. So that's some context, but I watched it too. I mean, you know, I was watching MTV, but I was also so little. I probably was confused. I was like, what is this? And then my mom would probably come in and turn it off. And then, yeah, I watched some later seasons. I guess I didn't realize how many years that show went on. That's amazing. It really is a soap opera. Was that your first show, Casey? No, um, my first show at MTV was a show called Dismissed, which was a really bad dating show. That, that, uh, one of many that I worked on at MTV back then. But uh, yeah, that was um, it's a dating show, very innovative for its time. It, you would, they would put three people on a date. So it'd be two guys and a girl or two girls and a guy. And then there was like this jockeying for position. Of oh, the God. Yeah. It's like The Bachelor, like 10X, just the three of them. It's so yeah. stressful. Yeah. And have you always been in the reality sector of things? Or Absolutely. You- yep. Yeah. Since, since day one, always been in the reality space, always been in unscripted, kind of bounced around freelance for quite a while until, you know, maybe about 15 years ago, I started my own company and been Amazing. Kind of making, making production or, or making shows and producing them for a variety of networks. That's amazing. How did you know that you could start your own, like what gave you the the courage or or the know-how that you could start your own company? Uh, a lot of stupidity, really. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was, you know, we didn't know. And my business partner came up to me one day. We had worked together kind of independently. And he came up and he said, you know, I've been looking for, been looking to start a company and I've been looking for the right person to start it with. And I think that is you. Like, do you want to start a company? And I said, okay, yeah, let's do that. Like, what, but what do we do? He's like, I have no idea. And we didn't, you know, but, but the, the timing of it was a good one. You know, it, it was much easier back then to sell a show and to, and to kind of get it out there. You could sell multiple shows a year and it was just an easier kind of different world. So that kind of helped us a little bit, but yeah, a lot of it was just kind of going in blind and, and figuring it out and leaning back on any kind of business acumen that we may have, have picked up along the road somewhere and, and going out and trying to make good shows along the way. Was there a success that you had before doing it that said, hey, I did this thing, I, I know I could do it? Or you kind of just took a crazy leap of faith? Well, sure. I mean, yes. I mean, we we had both independently, you know, produced and I had directed some pretty big shows back in the day. Super Nanny, one of them for ABC, I was, I was the director of. So knew how to make TV, but we were a bit blind to the business of making TV. You know, we kind of knew that our little lanes of it and it could produce in those lanes really well. But once we got into the business of it, you know, you're running a company, I'm sure, as, as you know, right? Even in the medical space, it's it's not just about seeing the patient. There's a whole bunch of other things kind of alongside there that come along with more than just writing a prescription and helping somebody or, or giving somebody surgery, right? There's, there's the business side of it. There's the employee retention. There's the recruiting. There's all those things that kind of come in that was a bit of a kind of a trial by fire, I think, for us. And you and your partner are still together? Yeah, yep. Still, still have the company and still, still chugging along. And so, what was your first? What was your first show? Fail or succeed? Our first show that was that uh, we kind of got up on its feet was called Destination Truth, and was on Sci-Fi back in the day. So, Sci-Fi doesn't really make shows any longer. But for at one point, you know, they were producing kind of unscripted content, and it was a show that followed a host who went went around the world looking into worlds great mystery there's a report of a this town is in you know inundated with ghosts or this this village 
you know, and South America has a basically its own Bigfoot. So it's kind of looking looking into the world of cryptozoology and ghosts and ghouls around the world. And that was our kind of our first thing that kind of put us on the map. Wow. Allie, have you heard of that show? That show? No, I don't know. I don't think I have. I don't know when it came out, though. Yeah. But but did you have any um any shocking experiences while filming that? Like I immediately like were any of these true? Were there ghosts in this town? Does Bigfoot exist? So I'll tell you one one very quick story that happened to us while we were in Nepal. And okay. we were in Nepal looking for the Yeti. And we were a nine-day hike from the nearest village in the middle of nowhere. On the same trail that you take if you're going to go to Everest, right? Everest Base Camp is, is another couple, two, three days up from where we were. But we were out at night, and we were doing an investigation, and we were looking for the Yeti. Or, and everyone up there is like, it is here. I've seen it. It's around. The, the same way that the sky is blue, there is a Yeti walking around on those mountains. And you cannot convince them any other way because it just is. It's a matter of fact. How many of you were there? We were a team of probably 12, I think, that were producing that show. You know, we were on a couple, you know, I think it was probably two weeks or so that we were going to be up there, you know, from start to finish hiking. And we were out one night, and sure enough, in this riverbed, we came across a set of giant footprints that one was a very clear, exactly what you'd think a Bigfoot Yeti footprint would look like. The one before that was more of kind of a heel marking, and the one beyond it was, you know, kind of like a half of a kind of a lateral step and you know we were just our, our local guides who were with us took off they got freaked out and left because they're like oh no it's here like this is fresh we took some castings of these things of the main ones specifically brought it back home became international news it was huge by the time we got back to Kathmandu, there was 30 something news reporters there from all over the world because news had made it back by the time we got down the mountain that, you know, we'd found these footprints. And it went so far as we had those, our casts scanned. And on the bottom of it, there were dermal bridges. So there were basically fingerprints on the bottom of this thing's foot that we'd picked up in the casting material. So there's no way in the world anyone knew we were there. There's no way they could have really faked this thing as far as I can tell. So that was a pretty enlightening experience, we'll say. So you're a believer now? Well, you know, when you see it yourself, you can't really be a believer, right? Uh, but um, I am not a doubter. We'll say that. Okay. Well, you made me a believer, so yeah. I'll just, I'll say it. <laughs> How come you haven't gone back there to, to find him? We've Do gone we... back. We've gone back a couple other times, yeah, and looked. Do we want to find him or them? Well, you know, that's a great question, especially, you know, in this week, right, with all the UFO and alien stuff that's yeah. around all of a sudden. I, do you want to? Is Is it... You know, is it a, I always think of these things, those types of shows, which I've done quite a few of throughout the years, whether it be ghosts or aliens or goblins or, you know, monsters. There's something about, I always call it an adult bedtime story, you know, an adult fairy tale. To allow your mind to wander to those places, I think is a pretty healthy thing sometimes, right? To let your mind go off into the distance and think about space and aliens and other creatures. And, you know, there's there's something to that. There's a little bit of a release, I think, that uh, that people really enjoy. So I don't know, maybe we never want to really know. The imagination that we yeah, lose. Right? Yeah, that's right. special. That's true. I'm sure we could have a whole separate episode just getting your stories, your ghost stories, <laughs> but we'll we'll save some of them. Sounds a little like Game of Thrones beyond the wall a little bit. Eh? Yeah, right. There you go. He, he's been to the north. 
Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, and then can you tell us a little bit how you first got any sort of medical niche happening sure. in your company? Was it first on Dr. Pimple Popper or were there some shows that were before that? No, it was it was uh, trial by fire straight into Dr. Pimple Popper. You know, that is a show that we we came across Dr. Lee, somebody in, in my my team had come across here years ago. And, you know, we'd reached out to her and, and started the dialogue. This is at a point when she was just on YouTube. She had just started kind of posting some stuff. And sure as can be, as it always happens in my world, 10 other companies had already reached out to her and already pitched her on a show and already wanted to do something with her. And her and her her husband, who is her partner at the practice there, he's also a dermatologist, you know, they weren't really all too sure that they wanted to do something to let this kind of chaos into their world and to document what they're doing. And, you know, because it's a it's a spooky thing, right? From, from the outside, allowing cameras around you and what have you. So, so after a little bit of time and... A lot of talks and, and a couple of dinners and some meetings, you know, we we kind of all came to a spot where she was comfortable with us and we kind of, you know, marched together arm in arm and, and took out the idea of trying to sell a show about this, you know, and trying to formulate what does that look like? Because we saw very quickly from the people who were showing up to her YouTube channel that they love this. And that's one thing when it's a couple three minute tape. To expand that out to a 42-minute, 43-minute show, that's a whole kind of another story. So, you know, we took it out. We put together a little bit of tape, and, and we took it out, and people were horrified by this concept and horrified by the idea. They could not... Listen, the, the whole concept of, of what she does and pimple. What do you mean horrified? Like horrified, excited horrified? Like the way people love watching a car? They just accident? could not believe that anybody... Not, ever, not all of them. Half of them could not believe in their mind that anybody in their right mind would ever want to watch anything like this. Okay. The other half, because it is this, this that world is very polarizing, the other half is like, oh my God, this is incredible. Right. You know? and, and you don't get anybody who's in the middle on this. It's a very polarizing thing. You are either all in or you are like, no way in hell do I want to watch this as my entertainment. But as we got deeper and deeper into it, and I became to learn more and more about her audience, what well, the fascinating thing was is that the majority of her audience, they tend to be female, of course, as you expect. But what I found fascinating is majority of them love to watch this right before they go to bed at night. That is their way of relaxing and calming down before they go to sleep. And they just love it. It's their own little melatonin video that just puts them down to sleep at night and they consider it relaxing. So It's like ASMR. <clears throat> yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, we knew we really had something there and, you know, we, we took it out and we tried to pitch it around and, and some people didn't get it and some people did get it. But it took us a couple of years to get enough people on board from the networks to get us the, the go ahead to kind of move forward and try to make a pilot for the show. Really? It took a few years? It took a few years. Yeah. And some of that was the network just being uh, you know, I don't know if this has an audience. Some of that was us working with the network to figure out, okay, well, how do we expand this? How do we make it 42 minutes, right? How do we tell a whole story versus just the, you know, the the cool stuff of her kind of popping a pimple or what have you. So it took some time to kind of get it to the right spot before we were up on the air. And then the first night that that thing aired, it was just gangbusters. You know, it just, people showed up and they never stopped showing up, you know, to what made you like i know with a lot of regular straight movie uh i mean tv pilots they they get made and 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 then they die yeah what, what made you realize that this thing during those shop around years 
was going to have a life and was worth reworking. How, how did you how did you know that? Well, you know, because she is so great. She is really, she has this very calming bedside manner to her that people really respond to and people really liked. So, and I thought that, you know, you mix that on one side and then I think the other mixture is this kind of gross out factor, right? You have this ickiness that people kind of, they kind of want to watch this, some of them, so they're fascinated. And it's, and it's one of those things, you know, like a car wreck, you have to kind of look over and, and, and watch it. So I think- Balancing those two elements of that show, you know, is, is what I always kind of really believed was, was going to make it what I thought was going to be a long running show. And, and thankfully, it's proven to be that. And her husband, you said, is her partner. Is he in the show? I No, he's not. once in a while he'll pop in. But for the most part, it just kind of centers around her um, and her kind of two helpers in the office. So it's really it's really more about her. Will he pop pimples, too, or no? He's a derm. Yeah, so he's a dermatologist. Um, I mean, on camera, do you have him doing medical stuff or just more, hey, this is my husband walking? Yeah, more kind of stuff passing within the office. Rarely will we have him doing a case or something like that. What made her choose you guys? You said a whole bunch of people had visited and talked to her and pitched her. What? Why did, why did she go with you? Well, I think... Uh, listen, Other I, than your charm and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's, there's a little bit of that. So listen, I had a call with her at one point. I remember where I was standing. It was her and her husband. And, you know, they were still kind of on the fence. And I kind of said to them, listen, I get it, right? You two have gone through countless years of schooling, right? You've gone to med school. You've done all your, you know, your 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 passes through that whole world, your undergrad you have taken over your dad's practice. Her dad was a dermatologist. So take it over her dad's practice. You've blossomed it into this great business that you have. You've started this thing online. It's working really well. The last thing you want is some jackass producer from Los Angeles coming in and blowing that up. And I get that and I understand that. And, and you know, I just want to let you know that that's not what we are here to do. We're here to be partners. We're here to work with you. We're here to, you know, have you be on for the for the for the long run of this thing and us coming in and making you look bad or making somebody look bad on purpose because we need drama like that's just not kind of first off it's if you look at the type of shows that i make i don't make those kind of shows you know i don't make housewives i don't that's not my my world there's people who make that kind of stuff and they're great at it and it's just not my kind of thing so you know you know i just try to reassure them that we weren't there to, to implode her empire that she was building we we're only there to be you know, one of the pillars of it to help her kind of get out there even further than she already had. And I think that that kind of resonated with them that, that somebody understood that we, we weren't there to be your, your adversary by any means. That's amazing. I, I feel like that probably was so comforting for her that it would uphold the integrity of what she's built. Cause just from a little bit of research and she's come up on my for you page on TikTok before. So it's sure. fun to meet you. And, and now it's a full circle moment, but it seems like it's a lot of destigmatization for people in that community that either may have a skin issue or like you're saying feel that sort of cathartic dopamine from watching that yeah. show that they feel almost like a little guilty about it yeah so it, it's probably really comforting to her that you see and understand what she has yeah for sure it was, it was important because you know we're, we're we're partners on these things you know we none of it can exist without the other pieces of the puzzle and there's a lot of pieces to these puzzle as dr cohen's figuring out as we go down this journey that of, of the project we're working on together so you, you can't at least i don't think you can kind of go through this world leaving leaving landmines behind you you know you mm -hmm. gotta kinda, you know, make a good work environment for everybody 
And it was an instant hit? Yes. Yep. The pilot aired. It was an instant hit, massive numbers. And we were kind of off and running from there. And, and that was really the first show to start this kind of medical, you know, this medical, not the first show. I shouldn't say that. I, I can't take that credit. It was, it was the first show in a while to kind of come back and breathe some life into the medical docu-follow stuff. Since then, obviously, TLC has got their own whole world there that they started coming back up with. And A&E and History and, and other networks have all tried, probably not as successfully as TLC has by far. But, you know, it, it really kind of started this new little genre, I think, of, of medical TV, which we're pretty excited about. Well, the, yeah. the first show was uh, was Dr. 90210, right? That was definitely going on. Yeah, that was going on as well, right around the time on E, right? So yeah. the kind of, and then they tried the, they tried that one. Then they tried the one, was it, was it 90210 by nature? No. What was the second one? Botched, right? Or no? Botched. Oh, Thank you. Botched, yeah. I've heard botched. of. I haven't heard of the 90210 one. You haven't heard I... of Dr. 90210? That was like the, and funny, strangely enough, the, the doctor is a guy named Robert Ray, the plastic surgeon, you know, who wears these short cutoff scrubs. Right. He actually became a friend of mine and, and I've met him more recently. I've occasionally done some surgeries with him that need a general surgeon involved. And he's such a nice, you know, he's kind of a bit of a wacko portrayed a little bit on the shows over the top and everything. Yeah. But he's an amazing guy with an amazing story and a, and, and a, a really good surgeon and... Brazilian? Is he Brazilian? Yeah, Brazilian. Am I that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I almost a... feel like I can picture him, but I don't remember watching the show. I'm sure I've seen a clip. Yeah, you probably have. Like, I feel like their social media followings are so big. I just looked up right now on TikTok. Sandra Lee has 16.3 million followers. How amazing. Right. On just one platform, you know. Yeah, that's just TikTok. Instagram I... to, to, to all of them across the board. And, and it up... sounds like YouTube was one of her early, YouTube like how she built birth. that community. Yeah. Yeah. That's where she started was YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a good test run. You can see it probably made you confident going into the show knowing she had this niche and this YouTube following that people will show up, huh? Yeah, it's a test market, right? It's a proven, she put it up there, not really expecting anything and people found it. And then people, you know, that is one of those kind of early viral things that was very easy to pass to your friend be like, oh my God, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And, you know, and that just splinters then. It just goes out once it kind of hits the, the universe there and, and goes anywhere. There really is an oddly therapeutic thing about watching a pimple be popped. Not even the other stuff, you know, the tumor removed, but the, but just watching the pus yeah. get popped out of a zit. I, I watch these videos sometimes, not even of hers, and it's just like, I can't stop watching it. It's ridiculous. There's got to be something in our reptilian brains, right? Yeah, from, from, it says... From caveman days, you need to get that out of there to help them, and then... It's just got to be kind of pre-programmed back. There were a few different things when I looked into it. It kind of depends what you're getting out of it. Some people have a dopamine response just from the completing of a task kind of thing when it's all out, which I, that for me is kind of what I'm, if it comes up for me, it's, it's satisfying for me to see it done. But yeah. also like you're saying, some people, they say if they have like a self-picking problem, there's a name, I'm going to butcher it, trickle, trichotillomania. It's some people also feel that they're like kind of taking their own health in their hands. Like it makes them feel better to oh, like remove this thing. So you're probably right. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's good. We know intuitively maybe this shouldn't be there and yeah. we're like, get rid of it, get rid of it. 
And then also that before bed melatonin release will do it. <laughs> do you watch any other medical shows right now? Both of you, I'm curious. I don't know if Dr. Cohen does either. Do I watch medical shows? No, I'm currently not really watching any any medical shows other than research for podcast episodes. You know, I will. But it, routinely, I that's not one of the types of shows that I tend to watch. What about you, Casey? Did you watch I could underst- We could understand that. Dr. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you get it all day. You um, live in it. You know, b- because of what I do, I, I kind of watch everything once. And then I get it. And then I kind of, for research as well. And then I kind of like, oh, okay, I move on. I kind of move on from that to stuff that's a little more enjoyable to watch, I think, at the end of the day, for for me personally, at least. Yeah, that's okay. It doesn't have to be your niche. You do it all day, too. Right. You're both like living it already. Are you watching a medical show? It's not really. I didn't think it was my niche, but TikTok speaks to me. You know, our algorithm will tell us things we're interested in. We didn't even know. So now that it's coming up on my For You page, I'm like, maybe I am. Maybe it's my thing now because I'll find myself watching till the end and I don't even know why. And then, so it's true. It gets me. Are you a reality TV viewer fan, Casey, or it's just what you do? It's just kind of what I do. I will, I'll watch, like I said, I'll watch kind of everything once. If I am going to watch the reality stuff, it'll, it'll tend to be the Nat Geos and Discoveries, you know, that kind of world, the survival kind of stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy sitting and kind of watching either that or cooking, cooking stuff. I always kind of enjoy mm. watching. But yeah, other than that, I'll kind of watch everything once that's out there. And then uh, it's usually either sports or, you know, some some new scripted series here and there. My wife and I got into a, a phase at one point where we couldn't stop watching Naked and Afraid. There you go. We, we got into a little Naked and Afraid phase. I'd always say to my wife, Bernice, I'd be like, I think you could do that. You know, I definitely can't be on Naked and Afraid, but I, I, I we'd always watch it. And I'd be like, Bernice, I, I think you could do that. I think you could be on it. You can, you can it do anything. I, I believe she could do it, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But except for the bugs, I don't think she can handle the bugs. But she's tough. She I feel tough. like she she can handle a lot. Exactly. Do you have Casey or Jason as well? Um, as the younger youngest person on this podcast right now, do you have any advice for young entrepreneurs or a young media studies uh, communications major who's not sure what they're doing yet? I'll let you run first there, Jason. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely not my wheelhouse, uh, that stuff. But one thing I like to tell people, my students, my mentees, whatever you want to call it, is say yes to opportunities, especially early on, because you never know where it's going to take you. Later on, you have to learn to say no. But early on, I, I, I don't think no should be an answer at all. I think as long as you could make it happen and not let people down, say yes. That's great advice. It, it, it is, and, and it uh, echoes a little bit kind of where I was going to go. Always be prepared. Always be preparing for your opportunity. You'll get a shot. You're, you will you will eventually get a shot, and no matter what you want to do, whether that's in medicine, whether it's in TV, whether it's in a professional baseball player, whatever it is, you will get your shot at some point. The key is is being prepared and being ready for that. So, you know, when I was young and I was just starting out in this industry, when people needed help on a weekend for their student film, when they needed help at some random like show they wanted to go shoot and they needed free labor, I was there. You know, to your point, Jason, say yes, get out there. Because that person in who knows what they're gonna be doing in three years, right? And how they'll be able to help you or how you'll be able to help them. Because so much of the world is that of helping each other and being there and giving people opportunities, you know, along the way. So I think prepare yourself, 
always be working on your craft, figuring out what that is. So you are prepared and ready when that shot comes. That's amazing. Yeah, get the experience. That's always a good reminder. You just want the say yes experience to all those things. And then you will be prepared. You guys yeah. are like hand in hand there. Yeah. Can we hear what you're both watching this week? That's usually what we get from our guests. I am, listening to I, if you're listening. I was I was a little late to the oh, I can tell you a couple of those. I was a little late to the succession thing. So my wife and I are are binging succession. We've got three episodes left. So we're we're, we're kind of milking ourselves off of that show. It's been so great. So we've been watching that. And then I always love really listening to the Huberman podcast. I think what he does is so fascinating and it's so interesting. <laughs> if you don't know about it, it's, he's a uh, scientist out of um, Stanford. And he, he has just the most interesting people on there to talk about the mind, the body, health, fitness, psychedelics, to um, supplements. Just across the board, super interesting, great takeaway, you know, kind of in that medical space. So I, I find that uh, podcast pretty interesting to listen to. And that's the one you listen to after you finish and they're all caught up on the Gross Anatomy podcast, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Always. <laughs> I think it sounds like I love that. I'm definitely going to give it a listen. So thank you for the rec. Yeah, it's a good one. So I, I have a crazy confession is that even though we just celebrated our fifth anniversary of Gross Anatomy podcast, which is insane just thinking about that we've been doing it for so long, I've really hardly, if ever, listened to podcasts myself, even though I've gotten a lot of recommendations and I'm a podcaster. But I recently did this, just this past weekend, I drove to help move my middle daughter's crap out of her college dorm, and it was like a six-hour drive each way. So people had told me about a bunch of different podcasts, and I started with a Joe Rogan podcast, and it was really informative with a, with a cardiologist, da-da-da, but it nearly put me to sleep. And I, and I had to, and it was just too much science and I had to turn it off. So I went with Smartless. You want as well? Yeah, which is Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. And that got me, that, that was fun. I, I had such a good time listening to Smartless taking me to the dorm and then back home. And it was just great and uh, silly and fun. And, and I just really enjoyed Smartless. I listened to a ton of episodes. They was also they just released a doc on HBO Max that you can watch following those guys on the road. So yeah, did you watch it? I have not yet. That's that's coming up next after Succession. Yeah, I, I heard them talking about it, and yeah, so it's so it's on the watch list now. What about you, Allie? I'm well. Speaking of Max, it's now Max. Don't forget, right. no more HBO. <laughs> um, I'm itching to watch The Idol. I think it's controversial. I've heard mixed reviews on it. So I'm, I like just need to see it for myself at this point. I also am late to succession. So I'm watching succession right now and my girlfriend's out of town. So I can't finish it till she comes back. So here I am. And we're supposed to watch idol together. So I'm just sort of twiddling my thumbs. Limbo for now. <laughs> yeah. I'm in limbo. I started tar. I don't know if I'm saying that right. The one about the composer yeah. in Berlin. Yeah. No, not Kate. Well, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. yeah. Wrong yeah. Kate, but same. Yeah. You understood. So that's where I am. I'm watching that movie 20 minutes at a time instead of watching a show because my attention span after work is slim, but I will be listening to Smartless. And what was the other podcast? Hugh. Huberman. Yes. Huberman. Huberman Lab. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so yes, excited to you meet for, you. I've thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I can come back on once we can talk a little bit more in depth about this project and when it's going to be on and the name and all that fun stuff uh, yet to come. Yes. Teaser, teaser for a part two. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Really appreciate this. Anytime. You guys have a fantastic evening. Wait, wait, wait. And I'd want to talk. I'd want to talk. The other thing that you could recommend for someone like Ali is maybe to come work for you or something like that one of these days. Who knows? You never know. Are you are you in? What, 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 I don't know your background, Allie. Tell me. We can offline about this. I'm a okay. <laughs> the people can hear. Actually, I'm a media studies major. Oh, I went are. I went to UC Berkeley, and that's how I know Dr. Cohen. Is his daughter is also a media studies major. And Berkeley doesn't do communications, so it was communications, and they switched up the name, basically. So you know exactly what I studied, also very broad. And I, we, I took everything. We did marketing classes, and then we had people coming in from there, and then we took some film classes. I have a lot of marketing experience and event experience, so... Yeah. I'll reach out to you though. That's interesting to hear. Just saying yes to everything is totally inspiring to me. Saying yes to the podcast is a recent thing for me. So I'm new here and having so much fun with it. So it's great to meet you. And thank you both for the time and have a great evening. See you guys. Thanks, Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. As a reminder, Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.